Welcome to Global Dispatches, a podcast about foreign policy and world affairs. I'm your host, Mark Leon Goldberg, editor of UN Dispatch. And in this show, we discuss topical global issues, have conversations with foreign affairs thought leaders and newsmakers, and give you the context you need to understand the world today. Go to globaldispatchespodcast.com to learn more. And now on with the show. State Department spokesperson Heather Nauert is Donald Trump's nominee to serve as the next United States ambassador to the United Nations. If confirmed, she will replace, of course, Nikki Haley, who served in that role for nearly two years. Heather Nauert is a former journalist and Fox News personality before she joined the State Department in April 2017. And as the State Department spokesperson, Heather Nauert has held regular briefings with the State Department press corps, so I thought it would be a good idea today to invite a veteran member of that press corps on the show. On the line with me is reporter Matt Lee of the Associated Press. Matt Lee is a journalist who has covered the State Department for nearly 20 years and has seen many State Department spokespeople come and go. And in this conversation, we discuss what distinguished Heather Nauert from her predecessors, and what her performance as State Department spokesperson might suggest about how she would approach the job of UN ambassador. We also discuss the implications of a decision by the White House to downgrade the position of UN ambassador from a cabinet-level position, which it was during Nikki Haley's tenure, The U.N. ambassador will no longer serve on the National Security Council, and we discuss what that means in terms of foreign policy decision-making. Heather Nauert does not share a similar background to any U.N. ambassador in recent history, nor is she someone with a long history in the broader foreign policy community, so I found this conversation with Matt Lee rather enlightening. Among other things, he discusses the kinds of issues that she sought to emphasize as spokesperson and put her own personal stamp on. A quick note before we begin, as always, big thank you to everyone who is a premium subscriber to the show. You make the show possible, so thank you, thank you, thank you. If you want to become a premium subscriber, just go to globaldispatchespodcast.com and click on the support the show link or click on the link in the description field of this podcast in iTunes or wherever you listen to the show. And as always, feel free to send me an email if you have suggestions of people I should interview or topics I should cover. I love hearing from you, so keep sending me your suggestions. And now here is my conversation with Matt Lee of the Associated Press. Looking for a trustworthy podcast to bring you unfiltered viewpoints and experiences on global health? Tune into Global Health Matters, the podcast that connects silos and amplifies diverse voices to give you a holistic picture. Each month, Dr. Gary Aslanian from the World Health Organization hosts discussions with guests spanning former ministers of health, award-winning journalists and authors, and frontline public health workers. Join listeners from across 180 countries for an exciting Season 4, launching in June. Global Health Matters is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and YouTube. How long have you been covering the State Department? Because you've been there as long as I can remember. (laughs) Yeah, I've been doing this a long time. I started covering State for the French news agency AFP in 1999, back when Madeleine Albright 
another uh, a former UN ambassador was the Secretary of State, um, and with the exception of two years from 2005 to 2007, when I was in based in Nairobi. Um, I have covered the State Department the whole time since then. Have you kept track of the number of official State Department spokespeople with whom your tenure has overlapped? Oh, my. Uh, it is probably on the order of seven or so. The first one was Jamie Rubin. Um, nice. People may remember uh, him. Uh, that was under Albright. From Jamie, we went to Richard Boucher, um, a longtime career spokesperson. And uh, and then there have been just you know a succession since mm-hmm. um, <clears throat> under uh, with, you know from Jen Psaki to John Kirby and, yeah. and under John Kerry, um, under uh, Sean McCormick, under uh, Secretary Rice. Um, so so, you can. It, so it, many, many, many. Been a while. So so yes. <laughs> how does Heather Nauer, um compare to those? Well. And she comes, she came into this job uh, from a different place than most uh, previous spokespeople uh, have come from, um, with potentially w- one difference. Everyone, most of the people who I have interacted with as a spokesperson um, have been uh, career career diplomats or career government workers. Um, Jamie Rubin obviously worked for Madeleine Albright at the, at the UN and had a foreign policy history on the Hill before in an arms control history when he was uh, the spokesperson. And um, the, the, the one exception to, uh, is, has been Jen Psaki who came to uh, the state department from, uh, from the, world of politics. Mm-hmm. Uh, Heather is unusual in that she came um, from the, you know, the, the, the media world with, with no government experience um, and not really any political experience uh, to speak of uh, before she came. Did you know her before she became spokesperson in April 2017? I did not. No. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I, 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 I did not. Um, I, I don't make a huge habit of watching of watching cable news any 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 cable news except while i'm at work which i understand was probably after she went off the air um you know went after her show went off the air um which was in the early in the morning so i had no experience no interaction with her uh, at all before she became yeah. no, I'm, bored. I'm with you I, I have no cable i don't really watch cable news let alone you know fox news um which is you know not my own sort of disposition but um so you know so she's been spokesperson for a year and a half right since april 2017 so from Correct. her year and a half in the podium i mean have you learned anything about any of her own foreign policy preferences or or maybe more broadly have you gained any insight about the kind of like issues that animate her well i can tell you that when you know when she first started working for former secretary tillerson um she had not been his first choice or uh, any choice at all. Um, she was, the White House wanted her um, in that job. Uh, Secretary Tillerson had other, um, he, he had other preferences. He did not get his way on that. And they had a re- <clears throat> famously strained relationship um, to the point where uh, to try to you know make a mark uh, or you know get some kind of traction in the building, 
she became she decided to take on some relatively significant issues and make them her own the Rohingya, the plight of the Rohingya in uh, in in Myanmar and, and and the refugees across the border in Bangladesh was one she became um, very interested in uh, Syria and and the white helmets uh, the work of the the white helmets um, she uh, so she ended up doing this kind of these things on her own she traveled uh, out to Bangladesh and to and, and to Myanmar to um, to look into the Rohingya. She had planned a trip to Syria at one point that ended up getting canceled. She was actually in Israel down on the border with Gaza when news broke that um, Secretary Tillerson had been fired by the president uh, over Twitter. Um, so so she, having been kind of shut out from the the seventh floor, which is where the the secretary, where Mahogany Row, the, the, mm-hmm. the secretary of state and all his very top assistants are. Having been shut out of that under Secretary Tillerson, she tried to make her own, um, tried to find her own um, <clears throat> place, as it were, and she became, uh, she became very involved in that. She became, uh, she was involved in some LGBT issues. Um, she was also, uh, you know, pushing hard for women, uh, women's rights, children's rights. But those were the things that it w- became clear going to the, the the briefings that she had. I'll be, although you know the the briefings have been sharply curtailed. Um, but you know those were the issues that 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 interested her and that she seemed to get most uh, uh, impassioned about. Well, well, that's that's instructive, uh, you know. I think because these are obviously all issues that are very much under kind of the UN rubric and 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 definitely in in the UN wheelhouse. Um, on, sure. On, so yeah, like on the Rohingya issue in particular, like so, how did her sort of championing of that issue as the spokesperson for the State Department like manifest itself? So she, you said she actually made a trip to uh, the, the the border region in in Bangladesh. Yeah, yes, she did, and she was also and she, she was like the person going. It, it wasn't like she wasn't accompanying like a senior. No, no, no she was with she, she was not with Tillerson. Although she was, she flew separately with uh, than Tillerson did to to uh, uh, to Napida. But uh, she flew with um, someone from USAID. I, I, you know, I don't think you could say that she was the lead. You know, she wasn't the head of the delegation, but she was certainly there and certainly took an interest and has certainly. Um, um, uh, and has certainly spoken uh, at with great passion and apparent empathy for the plight of uh, mm. of these people. So uh, you know, I, I I think that she has um, by necessity at that point. Um, that was kind of, you know early on, like the summer of uh, of, of 2017. Um, in order to, you know, feel like she was actually doing something because she was shut out of the <clears throat> the seventh floor and Secretary Tillerson's inner circle that she she kind of took these things on mm-hmm. herself. She was also one other thing I might mention is that that there was a time back in twenty seventeen when the administration was being and in particular the White House was being very heavily criticized for not going hard on Russia and not um, pushing the uh, Russia issue in terms of what was going on in Crimea and the Donbass and, uh, and, uh, <clears throat> and Eastern Ukraine in, in, in general. And uh, I think as a function of being part of the State Department where 
Russia's activities in, in, in Ukraine have attracted great attention and, 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 and very great concern. Uh, she was notably, along with uh, Ambassador Haley, um, very tough uh, from hmm. uh, from the podium uh, in public uh, on Russia. So, uh, you know, the, it, there is kind of, a, and, and through it all, remained a favorite of the White House. Hmm. So she, maybe she does have those kind of political skills that um, Haley sort of famously demonstrated uh, in her ability to sort of, uh, you know, place both sides of, of that game. Well, I, I you know, I, I don't want to uh, give too much credit because, mm-hmm. you know, as the spokesperson, she was, you know, she was reading the, the lines, the, the what, what is called guidance um, from the, the European, the, the, the Bureau of European and Eurasian Affairs on this. But she definitely rejected uh, Russian um, claims, uh, uh, numerous claims, over and over about uh, about what they what they were doing in Crimea and Eastern Ukraine, and and also Russian um, claims about the White Helmets um, and you know their activities in Syria. So she. Uh, she was very uh, critical of that, and certainly didn't show any any compunction, or didn't at least appear to to be reluctant at all to do this, even while the White House was being criticized for not being tough enough. So, has she revealed any sort of like disposition towards the UN, one way or another? Like, what what do you know about how she feels about the UN and how she in- interacts with the UN? Um. That's a that's a difficult question for me to answer because oftentimes, um, and I think that this is probably a, a natural or some uh, or would be expected for someone in her position as the spokeswoman for the State Department when the ambassador to the United Nations is a member of the cabinet, she would uh, defer to the U.S. UN, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the U.S. mission to the United Nations when asked. Uh, questions uh, about uh, about the, the UN and, and, and its operations. Um, <clears throat> and so is, I, is it like kind of like hard I, hard to say like whether or not she's like kind of falls more under like the Bolton rubric or more under like the I don't know Zalmay Khalilzad like you know line of thinking? It's it's a, there's no way well to it, one way or the you other. know it's it's hard to say because the policy decisions that have been made about the UN so far in this administration. Um, all of which have been, or most of which have been highly critical of the UN and the withdrawal from UNESCO first, mm-hmm. then the withdrawal from the Human Rights uh, Council, then the uh, cutting funding to UNRWA, the Palestinian Refugee Organization. Uh, has Don't forget all been, the Universal Postal Union. Uh, and the Universal Postal <laughs> Union, yes, yes, that, that too. Um, have all been taken, you know, the, the, those have all been policy decisions that, that she has not, I haven't heard at least. I mean, she might have a personal opinion about them. But one of the things about being the State Department spokesman is, uh, person is that, you know, you, you can't have, uh, you can't let your uh, personal feelings, and, you know, bleed into these bleed into this stuff. You represent the administration and you speak the administration's line. Uh, I'll give you one anecdote. This doesn't involve her, but at the end of the Clinton administration, when Richard Boucher was the spokesman for Madeleine Albright, he took over from Jamie Rubin. Uh, the last working day of the Clinton administration, I asked Richard Boucher at the, at the State Department briefing what the administration's position was on 
the uh, CTBT, the Comprehensive Test Ban Treaty. Uh, and he said, well, we support it. We wish the Senate would pass it. Well, the first day of the Bush administration, Colin Powell kept Richard Boucher on as spokesman. The first working day, the first day we had a briefing, and I asked Richard again, same guy, three or four days difference, maybe five. I said, what does the administration think about the CTBT? And with a complete straight face, he said, you know, this is not something we think is worth pursuing. Uh, we're not going to vote. You know, are you, do, would you implore the Senate to, to pass it? No, 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 no. We don't think it's necessary. So, you know, you, this is the kind of situation you get into when you're a career diplomat or a career uh, foreign service officer or a career um, any, anything. But that extends even to when you are just a political appointee who is a spokesperson. You have to, you know, you have to uh, to represent the administration's policies um, in, in the in, in the best possible light, and 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 your own personal feelings can't shine through. So I, you know, I have no idea what her well, personal well, feelings are. you know, that's not like a, a well, that's not like a terribly dissimilar position than uh, a UN ambassador who's not in the cabinet, right? You are just representing uh, the White House and and Foggy Bottoms' views on on certain matter, and you're sort of like almost a, a vessel to explain to the rest of the UN um, what the U.S. government's position is. Right, I think that's correct. It's it's it is similar in that. However, I think that Ambassador Haley has, you know, at times, uh, gone out on her, uh, you know, gone out paved uh, new or or trod new trails, uh, as it were, or at least slightly different ones than 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 the, than the than at least the White House has. Um, I'm not sure that we can expect to see that kind of thing from um, Heather if she is confirmed, but. Um, but I do think that she will represent this administration and its policies, whatever you think of those policies. And she has been a uh, relatively effective um, communicator for them, at least as in terms of uh, describing what they are. When it gets to uh, holding her feet to the fire uh, on, on on some of these issues, she likes to defer to the policy people, but now as ambassador, presumably, even if she's not in, um, even in the, even if she's not in the cabinet, uh, one presumes that we, she will have some input into, mm -hmm. um, into policy. Well, well, that's sort of one of my kind of overarching questions. Um, you know, should she serve in, in this role? Should she be confirmed? I mean, she'll have a resume that's a lot different than her predecessors. You know, the the last two ambassadors from the Obama administration, you know, had a background in, you know, crisis management in Africa, which is like most of what the Security Council in the UN does. And then you had Nikki Haley, who was a very skilled politician, though had didn't have much of, of a foreign policy resume, but whose political skills seem to make up for whatever she lacked in sort of background and experience. And so I guess my my question sort of looming over Heather Nauert's nomination is whether or not her considerable skills as a communicator will make up for other sort of her lack of experience in, in diplomacy or her lack of like political experience. Well, you know, I think that, that, that that's a it's we just have to wait and see. Mm -hmm. I, I, I think that it's going to be a bit trial by fire. I think a lot will depend on, you know, how good her, her staffing is, uh, because, you know, as, as much as she has pushed back on what she has seen as, um, uh, 
harsh or un, what she sees, remember, what she sees as unfair questioning during State Department briefings. There's a big difference between that and dealing with, you know, the Russian ambassador or the Chinese ambassador when you're talking about, um, you know, sanctions on Iran or talking about sanctions on North Korea or what to do about uh, what to do about Russia. And it's it's not clear to me, and I don't think we can tell from her 18 months as as the spokesperson here, you know, how how she'll re- react or how she'll respond in a situation of, you know, relatively intense uh, pressure uh, in, a, in a heated Security Council debate, for example. Um, so, so finally, I'm curious to learn from you how you think the bureaucracy of, of foreign policy decision making uh, will change with a UN ambassador who is not in the National Security Council, who's not a cabinet level official. Um, how will those reporting lines work? Where might there be sort of complications in, in decision making? Uh, I guess, like, what do you expect to be maybe some friction points uh, in, in the, um, you know, years ahead? Should she be, uh, should she be confirmed? Right. I, I'm not sure that there are going to be that many friction points, at least between the U.S., the, the, between U.S.-U.N., the mission uh, there, and the White House. There could be some, uh, there could be some, but I don't, I don't really see it be, uh, with, with the State Department proper. Um, but my impression, my gut impression is that, well, let's start with the fact that I, I think this is a pretty well-established fact that this administration does not exactly hold the United Nations in the same high or the same regard as uh, as previous administrations have, including the George W. Bush administration. Remember that it was his administration that rejoined UNESCO after an absence of mm-hmm. a decade or so. So anyway, uh, so the the... And and what is also clear is that um, uh, the National Security Advisor, John Bolton, who is a former ambassador to the United Nations himself, although he was never confirmed by the Senate, um, and the Secretary of State, the current Secretary of State, Mike Pompeo, uh, want to really put leave their stamp on uh, what is what, what what goes on in New York, and so I. I, I'm not sure that there's, whereas you might have expected Nikki Haley, uh, Ambassador Haley, to push back on something that she thought was not uh, correct or something that she didn't agree with in terms of policy instruction from the White House. She would, she had a voice in it, it's, uh, and, and she had her own way of um, of getting her, of making her her own feelings known. I don't think that there's going to be a lot of disagreement between. Um, between Heather Nauert, if she is confirmed, and the White House, I think that she will, you know, she'll do an able job of representing this administration. But I don't expect that there's going to be a lot of friction there. Your, your, your description there kind of reminds me of a um, an anecdote I, I reported on maybe in like 2005 when Bolton was uh, UN ambassador. When you know he would start acting, you know, particularly petulant um, because he wasn't a cabinet level official. Kofi Annan would just call up Condoleezza Rice and sort of rein mm-hmm. and, and, and get, you know, and, and, and have Rice rein Bolton in on, on certain things. And that I think happened sort of not infrequently. Um, but, you know, it, it doesn't, it sounds like the reporting lines though will be, um, you know, now or to Pompeo um, in terms of, of how sort of, you know, the, 
decisions yes, made. Yes, I would. Yeah. I, 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 yes, I think so. Or, or, or her to to Bolton. Mm-hmm. Um, let's just say I'm not sure that <clears throat> under uh, that uh, Secretary General Guterres yeah. will have as easy a time as getting John uh, getting John Bolton on the phone as yeah. uh, as Kofi Annan <laughs> had with getting Condi Rice on the phone. Yes. So, uh, so I think there's there's that as well. Um, well, good. Anything else? Any, any sort of parting thoughts? Anything else we should know as we sort of, um, you know, watch Heather Nauer during her confirmation hearings, which I, I think are now scheduled sometime early, early January. Uh, I'm not, uh, I have not seen yet, uh, a time for, uh, for her hearings. Uh, certainly they will be, in, they will be interesting. I think that there is a uh, great concern from the democratic side and, and not, not, not just a little kind of, uh, derision, um, from some of these senators. And I think that it'll be interesting to see how she responds to, uh, questions, um, critical questions from people like Senator Menendez, um, and uh, and others, particularly Democrats, um, it'll also be interesting, I think, to see how the Republicans uh, the Republicans uh, question her, because while most senators, I think, um, operate pretty much on the principle that the president has a the the right, and certainly it's his uh, duty, and uh, certainly has the authority to appoint whoever he wants as ambassador anywhere, that there are real concerns that she doesn't have the lack of experience or the depth of the, the or the uh, the seniority to um, to be effective on the job. But, you know, we'll see. And I think that it'll be a, um, we'll, we'll get a preview of what she might be like in the Security Council when we, when we see her before the Senate Foreign Relations Committee. All right. Well, Matt, thank you so much for your time. This was helpful. Thank you. No, my pleasure. All right. Thank you all for listening. Thank you to Matt. That was very helpful. And yeah, it'll be interesting to see her uh, confirmation hearing. That was actually a moment uh, early on when Nikki Haley, who also didn't have much of a foreign policy background when she was nominated to serve as UN ambassador, actually impressed me with her kind of general knowledge of, of the UN and also the kind of non-hard line she took uh, towards the UN that, of course, evolved over time. The longer she served in that role, the more of a hardliner she seemed to become. But yeah, it'll be interesting to see how Heather Nauert performs during those confirmation hearings and uh, what kind of opposition she might uh, be met with from uh, Democrats in particular. Uh, as always, big thank you to the University of Manchester's Global Development Program for being an ongoing s- supporter and sponsor and content partner of the podcast. Uh, look out for another episode from that content partnership coming soon. We'll see you next time. Bye.